Welcome to the Body Mind Spirit Show with me, your host, Coach Rita Hurry. You made it. Checked out of office to check into the sweet views of this place where the kids aren't asking for the Wi-Fi. Mom, can we go to the pool? And when you're with Amex, it's not if it's going to happen, but when. American Express. Don't live life without it. Welcome to the Body Mind Spirit Show with me, your host, Coach Rita Hurry. Hey, beautiful ladies. Welcome to a new episode of the Body Mind Spirit Show. My special guest today is Kim Vopney, and I hope I've pronounced that right. Great. And she is a vagina coach and the founder of Pelvian Wellness Incorporated. Is that pronounced correctly? It is. Thank Great. you. <laughs> Kim, welcome to the show. Thank you. I really appreciate you having me. And uh, yeah, good job on the pronunciation. That's two for two. Not everybody gets, especially Pelvian. Most people say Pelvine or Pelvini. <laughs> Brilliant. Because um, I know sort of like, because it's kind of like a French, Frenchy kind of term, isn't it? Yeah, it's the, it's the French word for female pelvis. Right. Okay. So tell us about what you do. I mean, I know you help many women globally find their Kegel mojo and you build their awareness of their pelvic floor muscles. How did all this whole mission begin for you? Well, it started really, if I can reflect back all the way to grade six, I saw, uh, it was a sexual health sex education class and we saw a childbirth video and I went home thinking there's no way in heck I'm gonna do that. But I looked a little differently at my mom and said, well, she did it and she's still walking around and doing these things. But as we, as, as I got older, I noticed she would start you know, she stopped running and she complained of back pain. And so I became more curious and asked questions. She was an OR nurse. She was very open with sharing, which I'm grateful for. And I asked her about birth and she had episiotomies and she had eventually had surgery for incontinence. And so I had this picture of childbirth that it was just not something I wanted to do and that it, it kind of did a number on your body. Mm. And when I got married and did decide I wanted to start a family, I was determined to have a different story than my mom. And I had asked my midwives about what I could do to prevent tearing, prevent incontinence. And they said, there's this biofeedback device called the Epino that you could try. So I, it's a German company that makes it. And I purchased one and used it. I had a great experience. I certainly credit my midwives and I was in a sideline birth position as well. But uh, even they say that that definitely played a role in, in my, my outcome. So I said, okay, well, I think more people should know about this and could I become a distributor? So I contacted the company and my intention wasn't for it to be a business. I just thought I would have a few that I would sell on the side. And I did that for a couple of years. Yeah. And then in 2009, my, I was laid off from my corporate job. And a few months before then I had actually been considering starting, like trying to make that a business so I could be home more with my kids uh, I had a, my husband's a pilot, so he's away a lot. We didn't have any family close by. Um, so I thought, okay, well, maybe I could turn this into a business. And then lo and behold, I got laid off and I thought, okay, well, it's forcing my hand and here we go. And so yeah. I entered the kind of the entrepreneur world and started with that product. I grew a website, an e-commerce store for pelvic health products, basically, and started a second business with two other women and did that kind of juggling the two for a number of years. And the focus initially was on pregnant women. 
-hmm. helping people prepare for birth and recover. And then as I started to move through different life stages myself, I recognized that perimenopause, menopause, beyond menopause, pelvic health still needs to be talked about. And that actually became a bigger passion in, in many ways. And it was the initially I was called the fitness doula that was sort of my brand and it didn't necessarily resonate with the menopausal community and several years ago I was speaking at a, a conference for mompreneurs and I got on stage and up to that point all people who had been speaking were all some sort of a business coach and I joked when I came on that you now have a, a vagina coach for your business and it just sort of you know, it was supposed to be a joke, but it was a bit of a light bulb moment. And I thought that captures more. It's a, the word that nobody likes to say, but it's the place that I want people to be focusing. Mm. Um, and part of my mission is to get rid of the taboo. So let's just say the name and get it out, get it over with. So yeah. that's how it started. Wow. And I think, you know, you kind of hit the nail on the head there when you're actually saying that so many of us, including ourselves as women, it's like, no, you don't talk about that. You know, that's, yeah. it's like, even, you know, I know that when I said to someone, oh, I'm going to have the vagina coach on, on my next show. And it was like the vagina coach, you know, it was yeah. like, what do you mean? Like that just like, so is so out there, but even yeah. in today's world, it's still kind of, I mean, do you still get lots of like shocked looks and kind of like having to really explain explain yourself in terms of your business and and why you do what you do I get a little bit I would say definitely with the older generation so my parents age are they're still not completely comfortable with with that yeah. um so definitely with that population with the younger sort of my age group a little bit um I get a little bit for sure there are still some who aren't necessarily as comfortable and then the younger generation not really they're they're kind of okay with saying and sharing everything so um yeah so the tides are turning it it definitely has I've I've had taboo roadblocks many many times over the years but it is becoming less and less and uh, so at, even just a friend of mine just shared she interviewed her daughter who now works for her and she works in the menopausal community and and she was asking her daughter about you know, do you feel empowered? And what do you think about the next generation? Her daughter's 18. And she said, I'm happy that I know this. And I, I want to know, I'm glad somebody has shared this with me. So I think that the, the whole purpose of all of us who have been sharing up to now trying to break the stigma, the younger generation are listening and hearing, and they're now recognizing how important it is and grateful for somebody actually sharing. Yeah. And I think it, it is important that the younger generation know how important it is to be aware of this for yeah. health purposes. So yeah. that's really good. Can you share with us a little bit about your own personal health journey in relation to this? Yeah. So as I mentioned, when I started, I, my, my whole mission really in childbirth was to not tear into not having continence. Mm. A word that I had never heard of before was pelvic organ prolapse. And at the time when I look, reflect back on my birth, my first son was, he, he, he crowned sideways. So there's a, a normal way that babies typically crown and he came out sideways, which is makes it a whole heck of a lot wider. I still had no external tearing, but mm -hmm. I did have internal tearing, which I found out about later. And even, even much later, I found out that I actually had one of the muscles partially tear away from the bone. Wow. And so that, and that's called levator ani avulsion. It definitely increases your risk of prolapse. 
So once I became, once I was starting to work in the world of pelvic health, I obviously knew now what a prolapse was. I had no symptoms about it to, to do with it. Yeah. And it wasn't until it's about, uh, you know, nine, 10 years ago now where I first started to feel like something was a little bit off. And I, I had started seeing a pelvic floor physio at that point, which back when I gave birth, I had, I didn't even know what pelvic floor physio was. And she said, yeah, you've got a tiny little bit of a, it's called a rectocele, which is when your rectum bulges into your vagina. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I was in a position to manage that. And I, I felt like I didn't freak out that much. I did a little bit, but not that much. Cause I knew lots of people. I knew lots of things. I knew what to do. Yeah. Unbeknownst to me at the time, I was also struggling with an autoimmune condition that I didn't know until years later. And one of the symptoms I was struggling with was constipation. And I couldn't figure out why I had, I, you know, ate tons of fiber, drank water, moved my body, did all the things. And I still struggled with constipation and it has to do, I have a thyroid, an autoimmune thyroid condition, which slows things down. And I didn't know this at the time. So I kept trying to manage this constipation, but was still dealing with it. And I know for sure that that contributed to the rectocele worsening. And so Anyway, eventually I found out that I had the autoimmune condition, made lots of changes. I'm in a much better place now, feel great. You know, constipation isn't, it, occasionally I'll have a bit of a flare and I can still struggle with it periodically. But um, yeah, so I, I've, I've experienced prolapse. I had a stage two uterine prolapse at one point many years ago that I was able to reverse. I experienced the rectocele as I've shared and that I was not able to reverse. And it got to the point where the symptoms were starting to interfere with my quality of life. And I had tried all conservative methods to address and heal it. And I did end up choosing to have surgery this past December. And that has now, um, I was really afraid to share that part of my journey because here I was talking about how to avoid surgery and how you know, how to keep your pelvic floor strong and do all these things. And then I was going to choose surgery. And I felt like, you know, am I being a hypocrite? Am I, am I going to lose followers? But I I gained a lot of uh, like the, the outpouring of people, private messaging, messaging me saying, Oh my gosh, I'm so happy you're doing this. You're giving me courage. You're you sharing your story has now made me feel not alone. There was another woman who works in fitness, like me, pelvic floor fitness, who had it privately secretly did not tell anybody and she messaged me and she said, you've given me the, the courage now to share. And so she started to share her journey with her community as well. So uh, I didn't really expect that to happen, but it's been kind of a nice, I guess it, it made me realize that surgery has had a stigma around it and there's shame. And it, it, it's not something that I promote, but it is something that is an option and that needs to be considered and, and people need to be informed about. And so yeah. Another new part of my mission is to increase awareness about all like that being one of the options that can help you. And because right now there's so little information about pelvic surgery and people are not in a position to make truly informed choices. So, yeah, yeah, I think that's what's beautiful about that is you also showing that everyone has their own options in, uh, in regard to their own personal journey. like obviously you're teaching them something about their health you're trying to help them with their pelvic health but at the same time you've got your own personal journey and I think them knowing that you know having this operation was the right path for you to take if anyone's in that dilemma they know that 
it's okay to choose that if that's what they feel they need to do is listening to what's right for you as an as an individual instead of feeling yeah. no but you know I can't do this because I'm not supposed to this is what I teach and whatever but you yeah. actually listen to that inner voice within which I think is powerful in itself yeah yeah thank you yeah so I know that many of us women overlook the pelvic floor why is it so important for us to be aware of it when you when you learn about the pelvic floor and you understand all of the jobs that it has, most people are amazed that it is not taught. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's the center of our body. It's the foundation of our core. It manages our continence. It helps with our pelvic and spinal control and stability. It contributes to our sexual response. It has, it's a, supports our organs it contributes to a sump pump action to help move fluids and lymph through our body like super important jobs and it we are not given any information at all in terms of the importance or how to care for it uh, proactively so I think if people understood all of the jobs and the importance of it they would perhaps pay more attention maybe not but at least they would be informed and then that's their choice right yeah. um, but right now people just simply don't know that they have choices around it they just that it's just not even, they don't even know what questions to ask. They don't even know that it's a problem. They just are kind of told through media that it's problems and challenges are just part of being a woman or it's just part of getting older. Or they may have been dismissed by healthcare providers or maybe they're ashamed and embarrassed to talk about it. So it, it, is, it, it is fundamentally an incredibly important part of our body. And as women, so men do have pelvic floors as well, but as women, we have we menstruate, we have hormone fluctuations, we become pregnant, we have biomechanical physiological changes that happen to our muscles and the alignment and everything. We give birth, which sometimes contrib contribute to tissue injury. And all of that needs to be accounted for and needs to be understood and respected. And we're not small men. Uh, so we benefit from different movement practices. We benefit from paying attention to our cycle and we benefit from not paying attention to what the media tells us and, and choosing to find people who will give us the right information about all of the different jobs that it does and how we should be caring for it. Yeah, yes, yeah, so important. Now, how would someone recognize, if you can share with us, some of the symptoms that you know that there's a pelvic floor dysfunction happening? I know there must be various symptoms, but can you outline a few? Yeah, so the most common most common is stress urinary incontinence. So that's where little bits of urine leak out with a laugh, cough, sneeze, jump, whatever throughout the day. And most people just put a pad and they think that that's just normal and they put a pad on and they carry on. Mm. So that's the most common. Another one is urge incontinence or frequency where people feel like they need to go to the bathroom all the time or they get very strong urges and they feel like they can't make it to the bathroom in time. That could be another you know, again, life-changing kind of, they have to plan their day around their bladder type of situation. Yeah. So those are more of the incontinence piece. You can have anal incontinence as well, where gas and stool can leak out. That's less common, but it's definitely life-altering as well. With prolapse, so pelvic organ prolapse is when the bladder, the uterus, and or the rectum shift out of their optimal position and either bulge into or descend into the vagina. So in the case of the bladder and the rectum, it can bulge into the front or the back wall of the vagina. 
And in the case of the uterus, it can descend from the top of the vagina down. And early stage prolapse can be asymptomatic. Nobody knows. And as it progresses, sometimes people may have back pain. They may have a feeling like something's in there, in their, in their vagina. They may have difficulty inserting a tampon or a menstrual cup, or maybe they feel their tampon or men menstrual cup, or, you know, usually we shouldn't have, we shouldn't feel them once they're put in correctly. Uh, they might notice that the tampon or the menstrual cup doesn't stay in, that it gets pushed out. They may notice pain or discomfort with sex. Um, they may have like difficulty starting the flow of urine, or they may find that it's hard to have a bowel movement. Maybe it doesn't completely empty. So those are all signs. Doesn't mean if you have those for sure you have a prolapse, but they're some of the indicators that could, could mean that you do. And my number one tip in terms of if, you know, next question is people say, well, how, how do I know? Like, I do have a couple of those symptoms. How do I know for sure? Exactly, yeah. A pelvic floor physiotherapist. And I recommend seeing a pelvic floor physio over the medical providers. So not saying that we don't need the medical providers. We absolutely do. But in terms of a first line of defense, I believe pelvic floor physios are better equipped to point us in the right direction. They can screen for medical conditions, but not a lot of medical providers are referring on to physio. So while physios will refer back to med medical if it's needed, not all medical people are referring to physio. And that is something that I really hope changes as, as we yeah, move forward in life. Yeah, because yeah, it's, it's not even, I mean, obviously I'm based here in the UK and it's like when you're saying, um, a pelvic floor physiotherapist I'm like I've never even heard of that here you know I mean I'm sure there is but it's never been something that's openly talked about it's like okay if you've got a back problem or you've had an accident then yeah you know you you go and see um, a physiotherapist but otherwise an actual pelvic floor physiotherapist yeah never been spoken about when your manhood bends in a different direction, visit PDURO.com to find a urologist because a bend in your erection might be Peyronie's disease or PD. It's a condition that involves a buildup of scar tissue, also called plaque, but it's treatable. Zyaflex, collagenase clostridium histolyticum is the only non-surgical FDA-approved injection for Peyronie's disease. Zyaflex is a prescription for adult men who have a plaque that can be felt and a curve in their penis greater than 30 degrees at the start of treatment, along with daily penile stretching and straight exercises, Zyflex has been proven to help gradually reduce the bend. Results will vary. Don't receive if the treatment area involves your urethra, the tooth that urine passes through, you're allergic to any collagenase or the ingredients in Zyflex. May cause serious side effects, including penile fracture or other serious injury during an erection, severe allergic reactions, including anaphylaxis, and localized skin and soft tissue death called necrosis due to hematoma, which could require surgery. You may feel sudden back pain reactions after treatment. Seek help right away if you have any signs of injury. Do not have sex or any sexual activity during and for at least four weeks after each treatment cycle, which includes two injections, one to three days apart. Tell your doctor about all your medical conditions. If you have a bleeding condition or take blood thinners, as risk of bleeding or bruising at the treatment site is increased. Ask your doctor about all possible side effects and for product information. Talk to a urologist about Zyaflex. Find a Zyaflex trained urologist at PDURO.com or call 877-942-3539. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And they do exist in the UK and um, they exist around the world, really. And uh, yeah, not very many people know. It's becoming a little bit more talked about now, but it is... Mm -hmm. 
It, it is, it's been around like, I know physios that have been doing this work for 20, 30 years, um, but it's really kind of in the last say 10-ish years or even in the last seven that it's really kind of exploded for, for good, which is, it's a good thing, but we still need more awareness. And, and yeah, it's something I think that if you're pregnant, I think the government should be paying for pelvic floor physio assessments for every single person. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I'm thinking when you were saying there about, you know, some women that there are, and I've, I know a few women who have problems putting in tampons or, you know, menstrual cups as well. And they just think, well, you know, I'm too small or it's too tight. And yes, they have problems um, with sexual intercourse. And it's like, maybe it's just their way that their body's actually made and they, they can't do anything or you know just get lubrication you know that's the answer but they could be I mean it's not necessarily but they could be this symptom that they need to actually explore and see if that's a possibility as well then yeah and it, so people who have difficulty inserting a tampon because it's painful or they have painful sex then that could be tension in the muscles it could be as simple as having somebody identify that and helping you learn how to relax the muscles. Yeah, it could yeah. be um, like dyspareunia is a very common, that's pain with sex that's very common and very easily treatable from pelvic floor physio. But again, so many people just don't even know that that's an option. Mm. So um, yeah, so my, my overriding mission is if anything doesn't feel right, if anything hurts, if any, if, and even if you have no symptoms, if you own a vagina, I, we should all be seeing the pelvic floor physio every year, just like we see the dentist proactively. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Oh, I'll have to find out where, who my local one is. <laughs> so can you, um, obviously we mentioned about the different stages that women go through in terms of, we mentioned obviously menopause and pregnancy and everything. Does the pelvic floor kind of change over these periods? And, and is there anything that we need to be aware of as we as women go through these changes? Absolutely, it does. And so I mentioned we, we menstruate. So many people will notice that kind of the week before the, the first few days of their, their cycle, they may feel, uh, they might have less sensation it might feel a little uncomfortable. Um, and what happens is we have, first of all, the uterus is a lot heavier, so the muscles are working harder. Yeah. But we also have a decline in estrogen and that influences the, the walls of the vagina. And that's almost like a precursor, not precursor, but kind of like a glimpse into what then happens when we approach menopause. So menopause is one day. Menopause is the anniversary of 12 consecutive months without a period. The six to 10 years leading up to that is perimenopause. And then once you've moved the day after your menopause, your postmenopause, the years leading up to it, there's all sorts of different fluctuations in our hormones that could contribute to an increase in things like incontinence. Vaginal dryness is another big one. And vaginal dryness is something that I think it's, I think the statistic was about 80% of people. So we're all, all of us that have a vagina and a uterus, we're gonna go through menopause. Well, yeah. maybe you've had your uterus taken out, but then you're definitely in menopause. But so we will all go through it and over 80% of us will experience vaginal dryness and vaginal dryness is not something that improves with time. So hot flashes typically go away. Um, sometimes the brain fog, you know, other symptoms may resolve on their own whereas vaginal dryness typically gets worse. 
And when we no longer produce estrogen, the walls of the vagina, which love estrogen, we have a lot of estrogen receptors there, they start to narrow and dry out and thin. And people have kind of a, maybe a bit of a funny term is a pleated skirt. So you can think of the vagina when we're younger mm. as a pleated skirt, we have folds inside the walls of our vagina called rugae. Once we are approaching and hit menopause when, without the circulating estrogen now, those folds start to straighten or flatten and the kind of the walls narrow. And some people, a, a term that used to be used is vaginal atrophy. Now there's a bigger term called genitourinary syndrome of menopause, which it's a big word and it's supposed to encompass a lot of different pelvic health things, which I don't necessarily love grouping everything under one umbrella. I think we, we, we deserve to have a knowledge of each thing. Yeah. So vaginal dryness is, it can show up postpartum, but it can also show up um, in menopause as well. And that's something that, again, the bulk of us are gonna experience. There's also just, you know, so we talked about menstruation. There's the hormone fluctuations, which we, which we talked about. And there's also biomechanical changes that may happen from maybe pregnancy maybe birth, maybe um, activity that we do, maybe certain postures that we hold. So repetitive type activities can place certain loads on the pelvic floor. And the pelvic floor is a group of muscles that needs to manage tasks, just like all the other muscles in our body. Yeah. And when we don't understand uh, how, like, how we access that group of muscles, I guess, is the best way to say when we're not necessarily told how to exercise it and how it works in co coordination with our breath, then sometimes we may, we may be doing things in a way that puts pressure down on those muscles that over time, they're no longer able to manage very well. And that could be a contributor to prolapse or incontinence or what have you. So absolutely. And even just aging. I mean, as we age, we lose collagen and, and, you know, we have less elasticity and that's just something that is a part of aging, but diet and exercise and physio are all things that can help us yeah. increase the kind of the health span of our pelvis. Yeah. So elaborating on from that in terms of diet and exercise, are there any um, particular kind of like do's and don'ts that you can think of offhand just as like tips that probably some of the listeners can actually take away with them. Yeah. A big one I would say is stay hydrated. So when people experience pelvic floor challenges, especially incontinence or frequency or urgency, they will restrict their fluids and they'll think, well, if I'm not drinking anything, then I won't have to go. But that concentrates the urine and the bladder doesn't like concentrated urine, so it will signal you even more. So staying consistently hydrated, aiming for between three and four liters of water per day, which to some people sounds like an enormous amount, but the, the more hydrated you are, the less you will pee. Initially, it's kind of like when you pour water on a really dry plant, you know how it just kind of runs, it doesn't actually get absorbed. And so that can sometimes happen when people increase their fluids at the beginning. But as you become more consistently hydrated, that that won't happen so much anymore. So up your water intake. The other thing that that helps with is making sure that we have good bowel movements. So we constipation is a huge, huge um, 
it, it's very detrimental to the pelvic floor. So we want to avoid constipation and water intake plays a role. Fiber intake plays a role. Mm -hmm. Usually <clears throat> the, the general recommendation is 35 grams of fiber. I've been speaking with more people lately and, and the recommendation that they're saying is closer to 50, even up to hundred grams. Now you're not gonna just double up your fiber in one day. It's something again, you wanna gradually increase. But a good tip that was shared with me is to increase the diversity of the types of plant-based foods that you have and aiming for about 60 in a week. And I actually just last week tracked and I thought, how close am I to 60? <laughs> Did I have to really try to get 60? But it's actually, when you, when you write things down as you eat them, it's, you realize you do eat a fair number of plants, but you, you may also realize that, oh, I actually only have you know 25 types that I typically eat all the time. Yeah. So increasing the diversity can help with our gut microbiome and that can help with elimination as well. So as long as we're eliminating better, yeah. that can help manage our hormones, but it can also help ensure that we're not going to put any downward pressure on the pelvic floor. The other thing that I would say is many people, again, who might be experiencing incontinence or afraid that they're not going to be able to make it to a bathroom in time, they may be peeing just in case or going to the bathroom when they don't necessarily feel the urge. And this can train the bladder to signal more often. So sometimes people who are going, say, I feel like I go to the bathroom all the time. Sometimes it's been their habits that have helped condition the bladder to signal more frequently. And so don't pee just in case and make sure you're not telling your kids to go pee just in case. Let them tell you when they need to go. I have a, a YouTube video about um, how to stop over or how to fix overactive bladder. And it talks about a couple of steps to, to take back control so that you're not allowing your bladder to signal you that, uh, that frequently. Um, and then, and again, I say this ad nauseum, every call, every podcast I'm on is find a pelvic floor physio. If there's one thing you do, see a pelvic floor physio, it will change your life. Wow, great tips there. I'm just um, thinking in terms of obviously, you know, this show is the body, mind, spirit show. Um, in terms of what you just said about obviously don't go um, and, you know, and urinate just because you feel, okay, I have to, or, you know, just to make sure. Where, what would you say in terms of like mindset in that? Because obviously that comes to play in there as well about training your mind to not only recognize the symptoms, but also that mind control of, yeah, you really, you don't need to use the toilet, but you're going just in case. I mean, is, would you say that's part of what you do in terms of coaching? Like you've noticed people's mindset that you have to work on? Yeah, exactly. And that's a huge piece that I cover in the video where it's, it, you know, I talk to people and tell them to talk to their bladder. <laughs> so first of all, it's identifying and acknowledging that you've maybe contributed to this and you did the best you knew with the information you had at the time. And now, you know, different, and now you're in a position to make change. And so it's just a matter of being, of creating the awareness and then talking to your body, acknowledging and, and taking back control and also the other, with, with regards to mindset too, the other piece of it is also people are ashamed with pelvic floor dysfunction. People feel resentful. People feel alone. They feel um, they're desperate to feel normal again. And they're often avoiding sex or they're avoiding social outings. And so a big piece of it is, um, is 
like moving forward and finding the things that bring joy, finding the things that you are comfortable doing, finding the things that you have confidence in doing, along with all the other kind of lifestyle tips that that work in there. But the mindset is a is a huge piece as well, because it really, if it, especially with prolapse, that's the piece that the physical symptoms are, you know, they kind of come and go and they're a pain in the butt, but it's the the mental side that I find the biggest struggle. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, just one last question in terms of obviously exercises. Is there a particular exercise or workout regime like yoga or um, Pilates or something like that, or any kind of core work that um, women should maybe possibly be incorporating into their workouts more so to be able to strengthen their pelvic floor? There's lots of different types of exercise. And I always say, do what brings you joy. So that's if whatever it is, there's no good or bad exercise, really. It's if, if you love it and you do it joyfully, then that's serving a lot of, it's serving a lot. I do encourage variety of movement. So if you do love one thing, see if there's something else that you may love that could help complement that. Yeah. Yes, there are certain poses in yoga that could potentially be considered pelvic floor strengthening. Same with Pilates, same with hiking, all, all sorts of things. But at the end of the day, it's not about a specific exercise. It's about the execution of the exercise and, and the person doing it. And when, when we back up and kind of peel back the layers to getting to the core, getting to the root, which includes the pelvic floor, that's the, the foundation of the core. When people understand and, and appreciate and can connect with that part of the body and coordinate it with their breath, they're basically, that's what a Kegel is. So again, I also, on my YouTube channel, I have a whole Kegel playlist. Right. Kegels are a pers very prescribed exercise, but no one really is ever taught how to do them correctly. Yeah. So they, the, the Kegel exercise is beneficial when done correctly, when it's done consistently, it's not a quick fix. And then the way that I approach it is to bring that into movement. So bring it into your Pilates class, bring it into your yoga class, bring it into your resistance training. When you understand how to connect with that, with your true inner core and train it dynamically as part of your workout routine, your many people can actually lift heavier. Many people notice that things like back pain that was preventing them from doing certain exercises goes away. And they, that's like, you can turn a bicep curl into a core exercise if you recruit your pelvic floor through it. Yeah. So I think my do whatever you love to do, move in varied ways, but learn how to connect with your pelvic floor and bring that into movement. So that's what I have a 28 day challenge called the buff muff challenge. And it's a pelvic floor. It's a whole body fitness workout that you do each day for 10 minutes. But the, the emphasis is on connecting with the pelvic floor and adding it into those movements. And it's, it transforms people's lives. It's like, yeah. like I said everything becomes a core exercise when you, when you can do that that sounds amazing I'll definitely be checking that out for sure <laughs> Kim I could talk to you for ages about this there's so much there and I mean I've learned a lot and I'm sure my listeners have learned a lot where can our listeners go to find out more about your service and more information uh, my website is vaginacoach.com and my social handles basically are all 
vagina coach or a version. So if you go to you, uh, Google and put in vagina coach, you'll probably find me. Um, YouTube, Instagram, that's usually where I spend the most time. I also do have a private Facebook group called Box Talk. And that's a space where women can come and learn, but also share and hear from others and feel supported in their journey and understand that they're not alone. So it's really a space where I share my knowledge and experience, but people are also in there sharing their own knowledge and experience. And it's a, so it's, it's a place to come and learn and, and feel supported with regards to your pelvic health. And I think that's so important as well, because to know that you're not the only one that's going through this and to right. gain that support, like you mentioned earlier in terms of you um, choosing, you know, to go for an operation for your own personal journey and others gaining from hearing about your journey as well I think community yeah. supports so that's that's great Kim thank you so much it's been so informative and thank so thanks again for being my special guest you're welcome I appreciate the opportunity to share thank you thank you so listeners that's it for today thank you for listening and see you next time bye I hope you enjoyed the show. Stay tuned for more tips, motivation, and of course, inspiration coming up real soon. If you want to email me and send me messages of what you thought of the show or anything you'd love me to cover on the show, please email me at coachrita at swastialiving.com. Swastia Living is S-W-A-S-T-H-Y-A-L-I-V-I-N-G dot com. See you real soon. Bye. We play for bravery. We play for big hearts in tiny bodies. We play for the fighter within. We play for life reclaimed, disease in remission, stories rewritten we're children's hospital of richmond at vcu and we nurture the champion in every child we fight the forces that threaten them and we play to win learn how at chrichmond.org i hope you enjoyed the show stay tuned for more tips motivation and of course inspiration coming up real soon If you want to email me and send me messages of what you thought of the show or anything you'd love me to cover on the show, please email me at coachrita at swastialiving.com. Swastia Living is S-W-A-S-T-H-Y-A-L-I-V-I-N-G.com. See you real soon. Bye.